We're in Romans chapter 1 this morning. Um, before we pray uh, over study, would you guys flip to Psalm 8 with me? And as you're turning to Psalm 8, I want to read the last verse of Psalm 17. I so loved that last song. Soon and very soon, guys. Do you guys believe that we're going to see Jesus? Do you believe we're living in those last days, which the Bible speaks a whole lot about, and that he's coming again? For the longest time, I had this verse on the back. You know how people have business cards? <laughs> My first business card I ever got as a pastor I put this verse uh, in Psalm uh, 17, verse 15. It says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. I don't know about you guys. I can't get no satisfaction in this life. Okay? It's just like anything that satisfies, it's in Jesus. And to be able to wake up just completely done with the sin nature this life, just be gone with that and to finally see our creator face to face to be in his likeness. What a glorious day that's going to be, guys. I hope you're looking forward to his coming. I can't wait for that. But anyways, what did I tell you guys to turn to? Roman, or Psalm 8. Yeah, a couple awesome scriptures here. Um, yeah, let me switch the camera here. Whoops. There we go. Hi, guys at home. You guys want to say hi to everybody at home? Hi. Awesome. We look forward to you guys joining us, Lord willing, sometime this next year. Anyways, that's one thing we have. We have hope in God. Check out verse 1 in Psalm 8 here. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. And then jump down to verse 3. It says, when I consider your heavens in the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful uh, just for who you are, that you are our creator, you are God and that you actually care about us, your creation. You are mindful of each and every one of us this morning, here today, what we're going through, what we face, what we struggle with, our victories, our losses. Lord, you know all those things all together, and you care about what's happening here this morning, and all we want to do is to have open hearts, God, to you today, to receive, for you to speak to us now. Lord, we know that you are right, and it's better to trust in you than in man. So we're looking to you. We're trusting your word. Please speak to us now, we ask in your name. Amen. Do you guys know that the middle verse in the Bible is, it's better to trust in God than to have confidence in man? That's the middle verse. I think that's so cool. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, this morning I am, I can tell you guys I am excited. I'm overwhelmed for a lot of pastors. This is probably the hardest passage of scripture for them to preach on. Many won't even touch it. 
Many pastors in other parts of the country, if they consider Romans chapter 1 and teach the second half, some of them are actually thrown in prison for hate speech. Um, the truth is, guys, God loves us enough to speak the truth. Okay? And we don't want to shy away from the word of God. And I'm going to just share with you guys just a couple things personally, just going into this passage. My kids are in karate. Things have switched up a little bit. Monday nights, my seven-year-old daughter, Shalom, has karate by herself. We could be doing karate six days a week. So I get to take her to karate by herself. And this last week on the way home, I've been preparing all day long. That's when I do my outlining is on Monday, preparing for the sermon to come on a Sunday. Okay, so I'm preparing, outlining, and I'm like, I was in tears, guys, as I'm preparing this, considering the wrath of God and how we, we, we're so disobedient. Do you guys know that? We are just disobedient. That's the bottom line. And we deserve the wrath of God. But knowing him and knowing his grace and his mercy, even though all of mankind, we are really condemned and we deserve it. Okay, I'm in tears outlining this. And as Shalom's in there, I'm taking that time that she's having her karate class and I'm praying and I'm studying even more. And my heart is just overwhelmed. I'm just like, I, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to get away of your scriptures this week, Lord. I just want you to speak and meet everybody where they're at because I know the truth will set people free. And we're going to be... We're going to be covering some pretty hard things this morning, but it was so cool. The first thing, my daughter, she gets into the car. She gets to sit in the front seat. That's the special thing because her brothers aren't around, and we don't ever do it, but she asked, Dad, can I please sit? Yeah. So I put the gear down, and she instantly grabs my hand, and she looks at me. This is the first thing on her mind after karate class. She looks at me. I hadn't said a thing to her. We hadn't been talking about anything, and she just looks at me and says, Hey, Dad. Why in the Bible does it talk about people having sex with animals? This is my seven-year-old daughter, and I felt the Holy Spirit just drop into my heart. Hey, you don't need to worry, son. If this seven-year-old daughter of mine can deal with the truth, okay, you shouldn't worry about what adults are going to think. And it so blessed my heart. But the week goes on, and I've struggled this week. This has been overwhelming. And even this morning, Finn, you want to raise your hand back there? There's my 10-year-old son, back of the room. He loves kids' church. Do you love kids' church? It's awesome. I don't know why, but he looks at me this morning. He never does this. Dad, can I stay upstairs this morning for the message? I'm like, all right, <laughs> God, you know where we're going. And now my 10-year-old son asked to hang out this morning as we go through Romans chapter 1 and wrap it up this morning. So what does God have for us? Well, we're going to talk about sin this morning. We're going to get in. We're going to be real. You and I think of sin as being the stuff that's just really, really bad, right? Aren't we good at that? Well, God sees sin as anything that violates his law. Anything even what we would regard as a small little thing. His standards really are for us to live perfectly. At least that's what I read in the scriptures. And have any of you guys done it? Oh, good. Otherwise, I was going to have you come up and teach this morning. <laughs> None of us have. None of us have arrived. So, guys, uh, just, it's not just our really, real, you know, really bad actions, but it's also our thought life, Right? It's our motives. God actually sees the hearts and the intents of them. I'm a very sinful man. You guys could probably hang out with me and like follow me around. Like, hey, 
You walk uprightly before the Lord. That's awesome, Pastor. But if you got a little glimpse into my heart, in my thought life, you'd be like, I'm never going back to that church again. <laughs> to be honest with you guys, we are all sinners. We all fall short. You see, sin is a soul issue and really permeates our whole life. So we also try to limit sin's definition um, to those things that hurt other people. But that's not always true. Yes, sin does hurt other people. But we try to limit sin's definition so often to things that just will hurt somebody else, but they're actually anything that is an offense to a, a holy God. You see, even if no one knows about it, we don't get caught or doesn't hurt anybody, we've still sinned. And the sin ultimately is always against God because he's the one who's authored what is right and what is wrong. So pastor, why do we have to talk about sin, wrath, perversion, homosexuality, sexual immorality? Why? Well, I'm so glad you guys asked. Um, I think Paul's mindset for us here as we get into the book of Romans together um, is to really thoroughly examine the gospel, the good news. We got to live in the reality of the bad news. And I think that's why God has us going here this morning and for the next couple months in truth, as you guys have been studying, read ahead, you guys know these things. So Paul takes the time to really paint this clear picture of the universal depravity of man. Because the bad news teaches us one thing, that we need a savior. <laughs> and when we see that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and yeah, it is universal, okay? He condemns here in Romans the Gentiles in verse 18, where we're going to start this morning all the way through verse 32. And then in chapter 2, we have the Jews all the way into chapter 3, verse 8. And then all people are condemned in, ch in chapter 3, verse 9 through verse 20. All people. Well, God doesn't condemn me. Yeah, you are condemned. You're not condemned if Romans 8, 1, you are in Christ Jesus. That's when we're not condemned any longer. That only happens when we humble ourselves and we put our faith in him, in him alone. So the Gentiles, what was their deal? Well, their deal was idolatry and sexual perversion. Show of hand, how many guys in here are Jews? How many guys are Gentiles? Are most Americans Gentiles? Wow. Do we have a problem with idolatry and sexual perversion? Among our Gentile peeps? Absolutely. The Jews, their problem was their holier-than-thou attitude, right? Concerning things of the law. And then we have all people. We all stand equally condemned before God. So last time we left off with Paul's main theme, and it's the righteousness of God, right? Look at verse 17 in chapter 1 of Romans here. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And now it presents it again against the dark background of the wrath of God being revealed. Look at verse 18 now. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
in an unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, before I move on any further, guys, um, look at verse 16 once again. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the Greek. He's not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I want you guys to get this, because there are many out there today who believe they are saved because they have found some philosophy in the gospel, in Jesus. Guys, the gospel is a person. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the Savior. It's not some fun little idea. No, it is a person who loved us, who gave himself for us, who overcame our sin, death, hell, rose again from the grave after being crucified upon a tree and shedding his blood. That's how we become righteous. Because he alone is right. God is holy. He lived that holy life. And he died in your place. And we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, guys. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. So, I want to share with you guys um, a quote by a guy by the name of uh, Bertrand Russell. He's uh, the free thinker early 1900s. He wrote this essay in uh, 1927. Why I am not a Christian. He says this, there's one very serious defect to my mind in Christ's moral character. And that is that he believes in hell. I do not myself feel that any person who is really profoundly human can believe in everlasting punishment. Christ certainly as depicted in the Gospels, did believe in everlasting punishment. And one does, does find repeatedly uh, vindictive fury against those people who do not listen to his preaching. You do not, for instance, find this attitude in Socrates. You will find him quite bland and urbane towards the people who would not listen to him. And it is to my mind, far more worthy of a sage to take that line than to take the line of indignation. The idea, guys, of God's wrath is offensive to modern man's sensibilities. They don't know how to deal with it. And they are willing to do whatever not to deal with it. I'm willing to excuse Scripture twist scripture, make up a bunch of things to do away with God's word. You see, as we consider Romans here, the first thing we're going to see is there's truth that is suppressed. Um, let's look at verse 18 here. Once again, it says, For the wrath of God that is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So this morning, guys, we're going to look at the truth being suppressed, the truth being substituted, and the truth being soiled. And for the truth to be suppressed, guys, that means to hold down. 
to hold down truth. Well, aren't there many truths today? Can't I believe something to be truth? And my buddy over here believes something else to be true, even though it's contrary, and can't we both be right? Can't that be true? No. There are no truths. There is one truth, absolute truth. It's the only thing that's logical. If you don't believe that, how do you know you're true? <laughs> you just get lost. Anyways, one thing that I love when we want, you know, what we know to be true, when it especially comes to God, we're told that creation throughout declares God. And we also have a conscience within that speaks to truth in who God is. And I love how Paul lays this out for you and I here this morning. So this isn't talking about the day when God will pour out his full strength of wrath on humanity. Okay, again, context is very important. We need to see and understand clearly what God is declaring here. Okay, here we both, we see both his righteousness and his wrath are being revealed at all times. And they are parallel and they are continuous. His righteousness is revealed every time the gospel is shared. Every time. His wrath is revealed when God abandons man to the consequences of his sinful choices. So when we consider wrath, guys, um, uh, anger isn't something God chooses to feel. Okay, It's not excessively emotional nor uh, shrugging out of control. That's not God's wrath. His disapproval of sin is not arbitrary. For his very nature okay, is one of holiness, correct? So he is holy. So he automatically rejects sin. That's just the way it is. So it's like what your nostrils do or your whole head does when you experience a foul odor. <gasps> not right. This ain't good. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's kind of like cruising around, you know, down the highway or something. Like, ooh, someone hit a skunk. Immediately, this ain't right. Something not good going on on the inside. Okay, this needs to be taken care of. This needs to be fixed. Okay, this ain't good. Okay, for the last couple months, our family van was getting louder and louder. The muffler is, it was coming apart, okay? A little embarrassing, but hey, I'm that guy. I can live with that, right? But it got to the point, hey, the exhaust smell had started coming in to the van. Oh, this ain't good for my family. This needs to be addressed. This smell <laughs> inside needs to be taken care of now. We need to get this fixed, okay? And that's the thing, guys. As we look around the world, how can we live in this stench? How can we keep going on like this when we know this is wrong? It is sin against God. And we know this, guys. If anybody is real and reasonable, they know sin is wrong. So let's consider just for a moment this idea of what the scriptures lay out for us as being specific revelation from God. So it's really via Jesus and his words specifically. You see, special revelation shows us God 
as redeemer, right? We know that from the gospel. There's a general revelation that shows us God as creator of all things, right? Just look outside of creation. Whoa, creation must be a creator, duh, right? (laughs) So specific revelation is the norm for the church, okay? We have the word of God, his revelation to mankind. And churches that don't take this serious and aren't in this shouldn't call themselves a church, okay? But this is a blessing given to us. This is a special revelation. General revelation is the norm for society, okay? We still, they just redid, uh, was it Massachusetts? Redid their state flag? Was that who it was? You know, and it was so cool on there because they, Civil War stuff, they, everybody's redoing their stuff. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, but on there, they, they voted in one that still says, in God we trust. Generally, guys, people still know, yeah, general revelation, we know there's a God. We're okay with that. Specific revelation is the means for salvation. General revelation is a means for condemnation. General revelation helps us to know about God. Specific gen- or revelation helps us to know God. Not just know about him, but actually know him. And that's the beauty of the gospel being revealed. Man, when we share with people the good news, man, you can know God. You can be born again, a new creation in him Man, the Holy Spirit within you, everything changes. I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe what the Bible says. That's the problem. That's why specific revelation is such a blessing. So this general revelation then placed man under the responsibility of acknowledging him and rendering thanks to him. So what do we have here? Well, one, guys, God reveals himself to mankind. Secondly, nature is the medium into which he reveals himself. Thirdly, he does not guarantee a positive response. Fourthly, this revealing of himself established the minimal ground for everybody's personal responsibility before him, And then fifthly, thus all people are without an excuse in rebellion against him. None of us have excuse. We like to make excuses. We'll say anything and do anything and believe anything to excuse away the truth, his word, because I want to be right. I want to believe this. I don't really care what you think. So Jan David Hachana said, it is not that we don't know about God. The evidence of his existence is everywhere in this wonderful biosphere where we, that we call home. The billboards of creation splash as advertisements of intelligent design all around us. I think that is so cool. Mark Ritter said, scientists are stuck with a creation event. Can't get away from the creator, guys. Everybody knows there is a God who made all of this. And I think the idea of the universe, okay, having a beginning, introduced um, Edwin Hubble, Albert Einstein. You guys ever hear either of those guys? 
right? They both, Hubble through observation and Einstein through theory, came to the conclusion that the universe is expanding, okay? Which has been proven. It's so cool. Thus, if you run a clock back, it had a beginning. Thus, there was a beginner, a beginner, right? So the idea was absolutely repulsive to most of the modern, mainstream, non-theistic scientists that shared desperately for any other past to the universe that would exclude God. But none has arisen, guys. Nothing. So we are stuck with the creation event, and scientists are stuck with the logical conclusion that we have a creator. Okay? They're stuck. So look at God's creation for a second with me. I got this video I want to share with you guys. Um, it goes from macro to micro. It's really cool. Uh, it goes pretty quick, and it powers by 10. Okay, it just keeps going and going. Let me see if I can get it up here. Here we go. Oh, let me put this up on the screen at home for you guys. So we're going to go from the view of the Milky Way at 10 million light years from the Earth then into uh, the microscopic world of a leaf. This is pretty cool, plunging all the way into some atomic universe of electrons and protons. So here we are moving in to our solar system finally here. Isn't this pretty cool? Oh, what's that? It's Earth! Oh, man, it's like a speck on a speck out there. So we, we pick our solar system here, the biosphere, atmosphere, hydrosphere, lithosphere, all the way down to the little ecosystems. Guys, when God made this place, he, he didn't wear gloves. Do you guys know this? The fingerprints of our God are all over everything. It's just amazing okay i want to consider with you guys uh psalm 19 verses 1 and 2 it says the heavens declare the glory of god so the stars right okay the skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day did you guys see that there day after day so non-stop is what god is saying continually showing us that he is creator they pour, pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So Kepler, you guys know him? He's the founder of astronomy. He said an undevout astronomer is mad. Okay? Mad scientists. Okay? Only a fool says in his heart that there is no God. Okay? We should call them foolish scientists. Well, aren't these the smartest of the smart out there? Don't they know what they're talking about? No, they're not. So we are without excuse, okay? So basically, God says they know, I know they know, and they know that they know, okay? They know. I think we're going to use the mic. I don't know why it's cracking again. Praise the Lord. So guys, Brentford Russell, who dismissed the argument from design in those three paragraphs, you guys know that he's without excuse? It doesn't matter what you think, what your truth is, what your philosophy might be. Okay? There are no excuses before our Creator. Thanks, brother.
Check, check, check. Can you guys hear me? Nope, not yet. All right. Well, let's change gears a little bit. We'll jump to the next here. Let's look at the truth substituted. Pick it up in verse 21 with me, please. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But because of their futile thoughts um, and their foolish hearts, they were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Aren't you guys glad we don't do that anymore? Oh, boy. Anyways, you guys might be like, well, we don't. Okay, I was talking with Joe Backman this morning about the Detroit Lions. Okay, and we have the Eagles. What's up with them? You know, we do the same thing today. I'm not saying... And enjoying football is wrong. It's when we begin to worship things, okay? Wear cheese on your head. It's cool. But if you end up worshiping the cheese people, then there's a problem, okay? So don't tell me it doesn't happen because I've been to those games and those people worship. They worship. Man, hands in the air, high-fiving one another, cheering and yelling. And we come to church... They raise their hands there. It's undignified. We shouldn't do that at church. No! We worship the one and true living God. Okay? So get rowdy if you want to. Verse 24. Therefore, God has also, or also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due so men know god according to verse 21 here guys from creation and from conscience they refuse to honor him as god that is the problem and there are two ways in individuals to respond we can say no i reject this revelation of you god i'm going to ignore it i want nothing to do with it i'm willing to believe the most ridiculous things, like we're teaching our kids, they've done away with God in our public schools, right? Nothing is blown up. Think about that for a while. That's what we teach our children. Nothing blew up, and that's why you're here, and this is how you exist. You just came from a bunch of goo. That's all you are, and you're going to act like goo, and then we're going to get mad at you, but that's all that you are. Anyways, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, But also, guys, in that rebellion, the result then is the wrath of God. Or we can say yes, accepting. That's faith. You guys understand? Okay? Faith. In response, we trust. We have commitment then. The result, the righteousness of God. Simply, this is what is laying out before us, guys. So serious problems surface when secular education removes the hand of God and it attempts to understand the whole world without acknowledging its source. 
And that's why we see things so messed up today. Well, if there's no God without him, (laughs) there's no accountability, is there? Why? Because you're your own God. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who gets to set the standard? No absolute, no morals, no ethics any longer, no ultimate purpose in life, and no limits. The result, do what feels good to you. And isn't that the mentality of the world? That's what I see going on around us. Okay? We've taught you, you are an animal. Right? Grandpa and Grandma, we're apes. Act like an animal. My dog, take her for a walk. She barks at other dogs. Growls at other dogs. Sniffs each other's butts. That's what we do. And we say it's okay until we do something we don't like because we're acting like animals, and how dare you? That's wrong. How could that have happened? Why do people act like that? Well, that's what they've been taught. You're an animal, act like an animal. Oh, we could talk about that. But you guys get the point. Good. I want you guys to note, changed in verse 24 here. Also in verse 25, they exchanged. So thus, their sin is not a mistake or an accident. They didn't drift into it ignorantly. It is a result of intentional choices. Okay, They are making the choices. Verse 23, notice that downward spiral. Okay, The slippery slope, guys. Rebellion is an improper response to God Okay, or attitude towards him, which leads to what? arrogance that's what we see here and that's an improper attitude towards self which leads to idolatry an improper attitude towards creation so an idol doesn't have to you know be a figure of your you know up on your mantle at home that you're bowing down to and and worshiping and praying to and burning incense to it can be a mental distortion of god it can be an unbiblical concept of God. How many of us have formed God in our own image, in our own likeness? Hey, I'm a Christian, and this is my Jesus. I don't care about the Jesus of the Bible and what he said. Okay, I've, I've made my own Jesus. Okay, we see that all around. So whatever your heart clings to and relies on is your God. Period. Is there anything luring your devotion? in your worship away from the true God. Anything. Consider verse 24. So the wrath is hell. Fire, damnation. Right, Pastor? Isn't that the wrath of God? Not yet. <laughs> okay, The wrath of God amounts to God giving them up and letting them go their own way. That's the wrath. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. I mean, we're... <laughs> you turn on the news, we are falling apart as a nation, not just a nation, just worldwide. Why is everything falling apart? I thought we were evolving. Aren't things supposed to be getting better? No, we're devolving devil all being 
Satan knows the end is near, and he is, man, he's wrecking havoc. He's blinding people. That is the reality. And it's because of our choices. Our choices, guys. This isn't on God. This is on us. We are the ones who've made these choices. This is what we've sown. Is it too late? Can things turn around? Can there be a revival? I don't ever want to put God in a box, guys. But God will not be mocked. What we sow, we will reap. There's a beauty that comes in repentance, but I don't see a people who are ready, ready to repent. We're willing to continue to believe the lie and to make excuses to be our own God. God, have mercy. So people are free to receive and reject God. It's revelation. However, they are not free to do so without consequences. That's what the Apostle Paul is laying out for us in this passage. Are you guys seeing this? I'm not making it up. This is the truth. So God gave them up. Let them suffer the consequences in verses 26 and 28. The greatest judgment God can inflict on us is to let us have our own way. That's just let us go. Okay? Um, it's emancipation from God. So remember this, guys. The biggest fool is he who fools himself. That's the biggest fool. The blind like following the blind. None see God. I mean, how many people are out there struggling and looking for answers, looking for hope? What do I do? The last thing they want to do is to hear from their God, from, from their creator. Check out verse 26 and 27 again. It says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another, Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So what happens then? Well, you start losing control, okay, of being in control. Think of how many parents have had that son or daughter say, Mom, Dad, I'm gay, and it's okay, because that's the way God has made me, I've accepted it. Now you have to embrace my homosexuality. There's so many families, guys, that have been thrown into turmoil. When family member comes out of that proverbial closet. And let's be clear, guys, homosexuality is a biblical sin. Very clear. But let's be kind because Jesus died for homosexuals. He's died for the sinner. And we are all sinful. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. You see, when we consider homosexuality, guys, threefold application. There's orientation that's involved, okay, when they have sexual desires for the same sex. Behavior, that's when you actually act on those things, those ha- homosexual activity and then identity when they identify themselves as being gay or lesbian or bisexual I was born this way 
It's the way God made me. We're in Romans. Let's jump over just for a moment to chapter 8 together. Before I read this, I want us to acknowledge we've all been born with a sin nature. Every single one of us. Maybe you don't have same-sex attraction. Let me tell you what, there's something in our sin nature that is off. We all have our stuff. We are all without excuse. That is the truth. And that's why this passage here in Romans 8, it's beautiful truth. Look at verse 20. For the creation, it was subjected to futility. We're not arguing with that, are we, guys? So not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also is delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And then check out verse 23, guys. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, okay, even though we're born again, we're set free from sin, we're still groaning in, in ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. Guys, we all struggle. We all have temptation. We all sin. We don't want to. But can't you guys wait until we're finally redeemed fully in glorification? I can't wait. And this comes back, guys, to the what is and what ought to be. Say, well, I really like the opposite sex a lot. And I want to commit adultery. That is who I am. That's my sexual orientation. I really like women. And I want to cheat on my spouse. That is sin, guys. We ought to do what we know is right. That is sin. It's the same thing. I know brothers and sisters in Christ who have come to know Jesus Christ that would identify as being a homosexual. They have same-sex attraction. But coming to Christ, they are born again of the Spirit of God. Okay? Does that change when you get saved? Not for everybody. That community says you can't change. But I know a bunch of brothers and sisters. I've heard dozens and dozens of testimonies where God had changed people. But I also know a bunch of brothers and sisters who've come to faith in Christ, and that attraction hasn't changed. They still have the same sex attraction, but they have submitted themselves to God. This is ought to be how I live now. I reckon myself dead to sin. Temptation may be there, but I'm not going to give in to the sin. I'm going to honor God. I'm not to have sex before I'm married. Oh, what a temptation, right? No, I know this is right. I'm a child of God. I'm going to choose what is right. So you guys see the is versus the ought when it comes to the scriptures. Sometimes we wonder, and I've seen people, we prayed over people, cancer, prayed, they go into the doctor, we can't find a trace of it. What happened? God happened. He showed up and healed. 
but how many people have we prayed for that weren't healed? Okay? Truth is, guys, in this life, we are going to struggle in the flesh until we die. It's on us once we come to faith in Christ. We have now been set free from sin. It's our choice whether or not we're going to walk in that freedom or not. I don't have to sin anymore. Do you guys get that? We don't have to sin. I have a brother who's an unbeliever. He was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was going to move back up here. I flew down there to drive back home with him up this way. How many of you guys have ever driven through the Smoky Mountains? Beautiful. It was the fall. The leaves are changing colors. I'm loving Jesus a whole lot. He wasn't liking that. We're driving home. I hadn't said a word. Hadn't said a word. I think creation was convicting him. He turns to me and just starts yelling at me, how can you believe in God? Just chewing me out. I hadn't even said a word at that time. Uh, (laughs) And we got into conversation. And I got to tell him, you know, I, I choose to live for Jesus and I choose to live this way because it honors him. It honors him. It's what is right. And we got into a conversation of what it means to be in Christ, to be set free from sin. He, an alcoholic, I'm like, bro, you got us, you got a drink. You can't, I can say no. I don't have to do it. I can drink as much as I want because I am free in Christ, but I can choose not to sin any longer. The difference is you're saying, I'm not free by being a Christian. I have to do this and that. I'm like, no, I'm the freest person upon the planet. You're the one in bondage because you're the one that has to continue to keep sinning. You guys understand, when we believe the gospel in the truth of the power of the gospel, it is able to set us free from sin and death, guys. We're exhorted, and we'll get there eventually in Romans 6 to reckon ourselves dead to sin as Christians. Do the math. Figure it out. We are free, guys. So the is versus the ought. Well, I feel this way. Great. If God calls it sin, it doesn't matter how you feel. Christianity is not about your happiness. It is about holiness, Be holy as I am holy. Well, I don't really agree with you on that, God. Well, who cares what you think? He is right. We are wrong. God, you say this. Even though I might feel this way, I ought to do what I know is right because you have told me what is right. So I could go off on that, but we're not going to. I just want us to be clear on what the scriptures speak to us. And when it comes to homosexuality, guys, it's not an alternative lifestyle. I hate that term, okay? Somehow expected by God, you know? Oh, this is just another type of life for God's creation. No, (laughs) it's not heredity. It can't can't be passed down. You guys know that? Also, when it comes to homosexuality, it is an abandonment to vile passions and shameful lusts. That is what the Bible says, verse 26. It's unnatural in verse 26. Why do little children, not exposed to anything yet, they see a man and a man kiss, and that is the most unnatural thing to these innocent eyes because it's not natural. 
It just doesn't work. Look at the way our bodies are designed. They're designed to work together between a man and a woman. That's what Jesus spoke to. He created the man and woman for a purpose, okay? The natural way. Um, so what's best is that it's sin. When I think about homosexuality, bisexuality, it's sin. And I get excited about that. Why? Why is that best? Because if it were a sickness, there might not be a cure. But there is a cure for sin, guys. Do you understand that? That is gospel truth. That is what the Bible is laying out for us here in Romans. And I am so thankful for that. And we need to live in that truth. And some of you may have that sexual orientation where you are attracted to the same sex. Well, there are so many brothers and sisters that have gone through the exact same thing. Don't let that keep you from God who loves you and died for you that your sin could be forgiven. You guys understand, that is our God. Well, what if I have these same sex attractions the rest of my life? Great, don't act on them. Don't sin. Don't have sex. Is God worth it? Absolutely. I think about our brothers and sisters out there who have been called to live a life of singleness. Corinthians speaks to that. There's a blessing in place for that. The Bible you know, speaks a lot to those type of things. It's our choice what we do. Okay, Just because we don't agree with something or we feel a different way, it doesn't give us justification to sin. Does that make sense? There's a whole lot of things that I'm tempted to do, but I have to say no. God, this will not honor you. And if I do sin and I do fall, praise God that he is gracious to pick us back up. Let's go, son. <laughs> okay? There's a goal. Leave those things in the past. Right? We repent and we move on, guys. So one thing I'm a little confused by um, is the pro-gay theology that is out there today and how they interpret things. Do you guys know that literally the next street over, there's a gay church right here in town? Right there. They meet. Entire valley. It's right here. <laughs> okay? Um, they'll interpret this verse here saying that someone who's been born a heterosexual becomes a homosexual. That's when it's sin. That's when it's wrong. That's their theology. Very twisted. Thus, it is a sin because that's unnatural. That's how they teach it. That's how they think it. Well, it doesn't relate to one born in, homos you know, in homosexuality at all. So on and on, you know, um, on one hand, they'll say, hey, you're born this way and you can't change. And then on the other hand, they say you can change. And I have a really hard time with their type of thinking and theology. It's very twisted, okay? And a lot of excuses and a lot of just ridiculous arguments, okay? Well, this is a new progressive thing, you know? It's, it's outdated, okay? Um, yeah. Anyways, the church, guys, why do we place so much more, you know, it, <laughs> homosexuality? That's the bad one. That's the serious crime. No. Sin is sin. It's all the same before our Heavenly Father period. So we as the church, I'm not against speaking truth, speaking to sin issues, 
But when we elevate one above another, let me tell you what, homosexuality is one thing, but there's a whole lot more adultery and fornication going on in our world than people who are partaking in same-sex sexual activities. That's the reality. Why don't we speak about that more? Why don't we make that an issue? Okay, sin is sin. There are consequences, okay? We're going to get into that for a second as we look at truth being stained here. But what happened to hating the sin and loving the sinner? That's what we're called to do, and I think you guys do that well, okay? Because we're willing to stand in the truth. The world will look at us and say, hey, you're condemning, you're judging, you're unloving. Well, excuse me, you don't know me, you don't know us, okay? I have friends who are homosexual, that I genuinely love and I care about and I've shared with. I love them. They know where they stand before God in their sin. That's their choice. I'm not going to hide it. I'll speak to it. We definitely want to be led by the Spirit of God as we're sharing with people. But guys, we are to love the sinner, hate the sin. Bottom line. And I think the church is viewed as very unloving. Man, if someone's struggling with identity, who they are, this should be the first place and the most comfortable place for them to come. I want answers. I want truth. I want hope. I hear there's good news here that you know about. Can you share that with me? Or do they look at us and say they're just a bunch of judgmental Christians? They hate me. No, we don't hate anybody. We love, we serve, we share the truth in love. That is what God has asked us to do. Amen? Now, we don't want to get away from the truth because God still addresses consequences. I want to take a look here at verses 28 to 32. It says in 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperer, gospers backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So God gave them, in verse 28, a debased mind. Did you guys catch that? Or a depraved mind. So debased means also not approved. Often uh, applies to metals, okay? Um, It doesn't stand the test. It's depraved mind in one that God cannot approve, and it must be rejected. That's why we're told in 2 Timothy 2.15 to study the word of God, to show yourself, rightly divide the word, to show yourself approved to God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. That's why the word of God is so good. We got to get it right, we got to divide it right, and we got to give it right to people. Okay? 
Um, so when it comes to pr uh, promiscuity, bisexuality, homosexuality, when these things are normalized, guys, then we can look forward um, to what in our society. I mean, this is what we see when these things are accepted. And are we seeing things get pretty crazy? Okay. Um, America's been around for a while. I've been around for a short while. I've seen in my lifetime things really falling apart, okay? We've had stuff through the years, but I feel just looking in, just a complete turning our backs on God. I, I, re I remember going to school and praying in public school as a child. I remember that. That's a huge no-no today. I remember even in high school, homosexuality was not accepted, okay? Or if it was accepted, it wasn't celebrated. How short of time we've gone from, hey, this is sin, this is wrong, to now you march in the parade, otherwise you're a bigot. Culture has changed quickly right before our eyes. And why? Because, guys, we have approved. We have accepted this into our society. Okay, Times have changed. But not really. Some people say, well, this is progressive, okay? This is new. Things are different today. God's word, we can't take it the way it had been taken. Guys, Paul was addressing this 2,000 years ago. Homosexuality was not okay. And thousands of years earlier in Leviticus, it was not okay. It was called sin, so the depraved mind, guys, it talks really here, believe it or not, sexual perversion is not the bottom of the barrel, okay? It's the depraved mind. That is what Paul is saying. Our thinking matters. Do you guys understand that? What we think matters. What God says matters. And our stinking thinking can get off so quick, okay? We can do away with truth, and that's what we're seeing happen here in these scriptures, why we do that. A mind that has everything turned upside down. So woe to these, okay, we're told in Isaiah 5.20, who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. We're seeing this. Some of you guys may have caught my uh, Facebook feed the last couple days, okay? I threw out just scripture, Okay? Here's just the word of God when it concerns homosexuality. What does the Bible say about it? I have people ask me all the time. Okay? I throw out scripture all the time. But when it comes to truth, when it rubs somebody the wrong way, well, they're going to pipe up and say something about it. And the bummer is, guys, we have churches today that are affirming sin. Hey, Christians out there, you can come here. We will accept you as you are. It is okay to live in sin. God's actually wrong. That's scary, guys. The, the church is called to be a pillar of truth in our society. And when the church begins to go with the flow, why do we see the collapse of a society? Man, we're forsaking God. We're not willing to stand in the truth. This is not a popular message. You guys know what we're going through today? This doesn't find it into a lot of pulpits today. But we like the word of God. This stuff is good. And knowing the truth behind these things is good because it ought to teach us 
how we can combat, how we can stand in truth, how we can share truth with others. And it's hard when we see everything spiraling down. And if you guys have studied anything of history, you know that once a civilization embraces homosexuality, they fall apart. That's the end of them, you know? And here we see things fall, our, our, our nation's divided, chaos. And everybody, you guys can turn on the news, you can talk, listen to all these different talking heads, and they will have all these reasons and excuses and conspiracies to what's going on. I personally believe it's because we've embraced homosexuality, period. Our minds have become so debased and we're just reaping the consequences of it. That's at least what I see in my own lifetime unfolding and that's what I see laid before us right now here in Romans chapter one. So what do we do about that? We need to go share the gospel with people. There's a hope. Jesus has the power to save anybody from any sin. Hmm. Man. Let's jump down to verse 29. I got to skip a couple of pages here. Um, we just read this, um, <laughs> but it gives 21 negative qualities in this list because we've abandoned or we've been or they have abandoned to their own sinful natures. Um, so it's a somber parade on human depravity. That's all we see here. Look at all this stuff as a result of our debased minds. Look at it all. What a parade. That should grieve us, guys. That should bring us to tears. And then approving. I want us to look at this in verse 32. This is the hard part for me to swallow, and I think for a lot of us as believers. So who was more guilty in the days of the Roman you know, Colosseum. Those committing the Haman or those that were there watching it happen. Think about that for a second. Who was more guilty? Um, and what about the millions that sit night after night before the TV? We have the debauchery, the violence, the deceit, the many other vices, the sexual immorality, and we glory in that. We celebrate in that, we need to be careful. It should grieve us. I enjoy TV, but my heart is grieved with, oh, they just hooked up. They're not married. That's it. Like, that grieves me. I don't celebrate. Oh, good. They're cute together. I'm so glad they hooked up. You know, sin is, you guys know what I'm talking about? But if we keep feeding ourselves that stuff, when does it get to a point of, oh, it doesn't bother me anymore? I don't really see that as sin. It's just the cultural norm. It's what it's accepted today and that's what's happened when we continue to feed ourselves lies over and over again so he says this is a sign that life is reaching the lowest dimension so man was made a little lower than the angels were told in psalm 8 5 so this places man somewhere between angels okay above and the beasts below so angels are spirits Without bodies and animals, bodies without spirits, man is in between because he is body and spirit. And it has always been man's prerogative uh, to move upward towards the spiritual and downward towards the animal. That's just our tendency. So this is why we can't sin just a little bit. No one is able to say, oh, this far and no farther, right? Oh, 
I want to be an alcoholic. Give me my first beer. I mean, is that what people are thinking when they have their first drink? No, but that's our human tendency, isn't it? So Paul gives six indictments here. Verse 20, inexcusable ignorance. Verse 21, ingratitude, thanklessness there. Verse 22, uh, insolence and disrespectful. We see in verse 23, idolatry is brought up. Um, Verses 24 to 27, immorality, homosexuality, and incorrigibility in verses 28 to 32. I wish I could expound on those a little more, but for time's sake, we're done this morning. So I want to end with praying for you guys, but I think a prayer that we do need to be praying as Christians continually is God have mercy. Not just on us. Pray like Daniel. Daniel was a stand-up dude. I don't read of any sin in this brother's life as I read the scriptures. And that's not the norm. You read about everybody in the Bible. They got sin issues, and the Bible exposes that stuff. Daniel was a pretty stand-up dude, but when he prayed, God, forgive us for our sins. Have mercy on us. We've rebelled. Forgive us, God. So I think we need to pray. And want to ask before we pray is, do you know Jesus is Lord? as the Lord, because he's Lord and Savior. But if he's Lord, he gets to call the shots. You guys understand that? Well, I don't want to go to hell. Of course I believe in Jesus. Great. If you really believe, he's Lord and Savior. Do you believe when you come to Christ by faith that you're given a new nature, new desires, new power by the Spirit? Okay. Some of us have abuse from the past. Studies show that many who are homosexual, there was sexual abuse as a child. You know, what abuse have you gone through? What's there in the past? Are you willing to commit that to God? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares, the whole, if you look at the Greek, all of those burdens, those cares, all of it, cast, literally get rid of it. Cast it upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Some of us hold on to those things from the past. We need to let go. How about us who have been struggling with temptation? Sin. Are we willing to repent? Are we willing to be honest, to get right with God? Is this one thing to say, hey, This is right. This is wrong. This is what the Bible says. You ought not to be doing those things, people. No, take the log out of your own eye. What's going on personally? Jesus came to set the captives free. That's what I read in the scriptures. Whatever sin, whatever temptation you've been going through, he can set you free from demonic temptations of the flesh. He can do that. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. Even when it's hard to hear sometimes, we are thankful, God, that you are a loving dad, a loving father that speaks truth to us in love. God, we thank you for your word. God, I so often think of this as being a love letter. God, you want to keep us from harm. Your ways are way better than ours. I do want to pray for each and every one of us, no matter what we struggle with or how we're feeling. God, we thank you that you are right and that you are there, that you are there to set us free. 
to save us. God, would you please forgive us? God, forgive us as a people. We have been so rebellious. You are worthy to be honored and praised. And yet we are so good at praising and honoring your creation, living for our own kingdoms, believing our own opinions over you. Please forgive us, God. Help us hold fast to your word, to the truth, to you. God, would you set many free? And many of us here, Lord, we are so thankful for your grace that has found us, for how you love us, the good news, the gospel, and we so desire to share with other people. God, would you give us wisdom and clarity, Father, that we would be loving others and speaking the truth to them and love as you do to us, God. Help us to do that, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.